When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Athletic Baseball Show for Thursday, June 1st. This is On Deck. I'm Steven Nesbitt. I'm here with Levi Weaver, who writes the Athletic's daily baseball newsletter, The Windup, with Ken Rosenthal. Levi, how are you doing? I'm good, Steven. On today's show, we're going to talk about the May breakouts that we believe in. We're going to preview our top series of the weekend. We will, of course, check in on our arms race and homer chase competitions. And Steven is going to share a latent childhood memory involving a horse, a game of billiards, and a love lost. Can't wait cannot wait the first part i was like oh i got a horse story <laughs> so many horse so many horse stories my dad was a professional rodeo cowboy i don't know if you knew that i didn't know that we were just talking about your experience living in england and having how mother's day was on a different day so wow we have a lot to catch up on levi's life but bigger news here june is upon us june 1st is here so we're going to take a look at the uh completely normal state of affairs in the majors i would describe what's happened so far as chalk like chalky chalk you know, the last place team in the AL East is a half game better than the, the best team in the AL Central. The Rays, Rangers, and Twins are your AL division leaders. The Cardinals are still in last place. The Padres are trying desperately to stay ahead of the Rockies. And the Marlins, two and a half games better than your pennant winning Phillies. So that's uh, everything's fine. Everything is normal. And we're going to get into our May breakouts. Breakouts uh, that happened this month or maybe started in April and really solidified in May that we are buying. So Who's the first guy you're buying from the month of May? I kind of took a look at the list, and frankly, there were a couple that were extremely boring. Like, I don't care that Aaron Judge is doing great in May. We kind of expected that. It's fun to watch Aaron Judge. Don't get me wrong. Love that. But when we're looking at a list like this, it doesn't, he doesn't exactly jump out as like, oh, oh, holy crap, Aaron Judge is good. Can you believe that? Jordan Alvarez really breaking out. He's only been, only been doing this for his entire career. The two that I went with were uh, Yandy Diaz. And Christopher Morel. Diaz coming into this season, 472 career games, had a pretty, you know, it's a good slash line. He's hitting 278 for his career, got a 411 slug, is a 782 OPS. Hey, that is a good player. He got, he finished 20th in MVP voting last year. Uh, he's going to finish higher than that this year. He's got, he's hitting 320. His OPS is 1018. His career high is 14 home runs this year. He's got 12, and you know, obviously the, Biggest uh, thing to look at when you go to his baseball savant page. Everything else is almost exactly the same, right? He's hitting the ball exactly as hard. He's striking out a little bit more. That's not going to contribute to a better slash line. It's the launch angle. Last year, it was 7.7 degrees. This year, it's 9.3. He's getting the ball in the air. And what do you know? When you hit the ball hard and aim it just a little bit higher, it goes over the fence and you hit more home runs. I was talking to somebody last year in the Rays organization, and they were basically like, listen, we believe so highly in Yandy Diaz. Got to get him to stop drilling holes in the ground because his max exit velocity, average exit velocity, everything's perfect except just how he's hitting it, the direction he's hitting it. He's figured that out. And and like you said, there, there are some MVP votes coming his way because the way he has started is pretty remarkable. 
So he's the one that I have picked that I think can sustain this. That seems like a sustainable change to me. Um, the one that I think may regress a little bit, Christopher Morell, who has just come up and set the world ablaze when he first got up. He had a 741 OPS last year, had 16 home runs and 425 plate appearances. This year, his OPS is 1039, and he's got nine home runs already and 74 plate appearances. And of course, all of this is when we're recording on Wednesday. Who knows what he's going to do on Wednesday night? And while we are talking about launch angle, I happen to look at Morell's as well. It is an absurd average of 17 degrees uh, launch angle. I think I may have said percent earlier when I was talking about launch angle. I meant degrees. You knew what I meant, but I obviously. But I need to acknowledge that I knew what I meant. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know that 17 degrees is sustainable to continue to do. He's got a 37.8 percent strikeout rate, which is pretty high. His XBA and XSlug are both a little bit below, you know, what his numbers say. I mean, an, an XSlug of 625 is still great. That's still very, very good XSlug. I'm not saying that Morel is going to revert to being. You know, like uh, the Jeff Kunkel of there's your 1980s Texas Rangers reference of the day of the Cubs. But I just I don't know that he's going to continue to perform at an all star rate. Still a very good breakout. And those are my two guys. I was looking at Morell's. He's on my fantasy team, so I, I tend to, to desire good things for him. But I was looking at his uh, baseball reference page and they, they have the bottom line. There was the 162 game average where you sort of dream upon if a guy stayed healthy, played a full season, got a full season of, of, of reps. And plate appearances, what would what would he turn out? And he's got a, a 787 OPS with 31 homers and 14 steals. It's like if that's real, that's awesome. That's he's going to continue to strike out at that rate because he's struck out at every level. A great May for him for a guy who wasn't even up in April after having a pretty decent last year. So the two guys I'm going with, the first one is Francisco Alvarez, catcher for the Mets, rookie. Always projected high things for him, expected high things for a top prospect. He's batting 292, 363, 1.030 OPS with seven homers in the month of May. This is a guy who was always expected to hit. He's doing it. He's doing it with a 10% barrel rate. Strikeout rate's okay. We'll see if that evens out or even improves at this point. But I think he's going to get continue to get better and better as he gets adjusted to the majors. And, and the Mets are a team that has already asked much of their young rookies and he is the one that seems really poised to, to continue to do damage early in his career while Brett Beatty and, and some of the others are, are getting adjusted maybe a little bit slower and just single-handedly wrecked Gary Sanchez's ability to have a, a nice New York comeback story which we all wanted for him yeah of course the other one I would uh I would say Mitch Keller but I've already already written enough about him so I, I need to move on and you got your Rangers reference and I just got my Pirates one in so I'm going to go with Bryce Elder you could say he wasn't a May breakout cuz he was breaking out in April but I guess I started to believe it in May 172 ERA in 36 innings in the month uh 112 whip just one homer this might still be smoke and mirrors I mean on on uh rates and barrels they were talking the other day just about joking kind of how blue his statcast pages as we know like the uh pinnacle of Baseball analysis is the reds and blues of Statcast. He doesn't show well there. He's brutal in uh, in velocity, in spin, in extension, in exit, average average exit velo. Yet he's got a 192 ERA on the season, 116 WHIP across 16 uh, or 11 starts, I believe it is. So something isn't getting captured there. We're missing something, uh, or he is just a magician on the mound. But it's not just that he's picking on on lowly opponents. You know, he he just faced the A's and and uh, they ended up losing that game, but he pitched well. But you know he's pitched in the sixth inning in every start. He's faced the Astros, Orioles, Blue Jays, Mariners, Dodgers. Uh, his worst one, oddly, was against the Marlins. So that's the other guy I am buying after the month of May. 
So our top series for this weekend, uh, I took a look at the standings. And look, I'll admit, I, I, had, I it was Memorial Day weekend. It was my daughter's birthday. I kind of checked out a little bit over the weekend. Looked back in at the standings and had to double check to see if I was actually right about this. The Atlanta Braves and the Arizona Diamondbacks, as of Wednesday afternoon, have the same record. I would have guessed they were at least five, maybe six, seven, ten games apart. No. The Diamondbacks are better than I expected. The Braves have hit a skid lately. Lost two in a row to uh, the Oakland A's, which I didn't think was allowed. They got absolutely throttled by Paul Blackburn, J.P. Sears, and that mighty, mighty Oakland bullpen. What do you think? Is this a is this a problem? I mean, it, usually a two-game skid is not a problem, but when it's to these A's, eh, that'll raise some eyebrows. Yeah, I think this series is going to be a good third of the way through the season barometer for both sides. So I'm in I'm in Phoenix right now working on a story, and I was at Chase Field Tuesday night where Zach Gallen shoved again. And the D-backs look great lately. So they are rolling offensively. Lourdes Gurriel has been great. Kettle Marte, people I think rode off a little bit after a down stretch for him, has been great. Christian Walker, Corbin Carroll are being exactly who you would hope they'd be. And um, they just brought back Jake McCarthy from AAA. And, and I think they they have what it takes in that rotation, plus what, what they have coming in the prospect system to be continue to be a force in the division behind Gallon, who is really one of the best and, and still probably most underrated pitchers, uh, starting pitchers in the game. Merrill Kelly deserves a shout out as well. He's been good. So Diamondbacks in good shape right now when they're hot. The Braves, on the other hand, lost seven of the last 10, including these uh, first two against the A's. I don't have any concerns, Levi, about their lineup. They're going to be all right. Look at the names that are have been clicking all season from Acuna to Murphy to Olsen. To Marcelo Zuna is back, I guess. He's on fire. Resurgence from, from both Osuna and Austin Riley. I mean, once you get Michael Harris out of his sophomore slump here, they're going to be in good shape, but the, the pitching staff is is worrying. You know, Max Fried and, and Kyle Wright both on the injured list. So now they're relying on Michael Soroka, um, Jared Schuster in the rotation. The bullpen's been taking on water consistently. Uh, there's a stat that we were looking at last week called wins lost, which is where a starting pitcher leaves a game when he's in position for a win and he loses it. The Braves lead all baseball in wins lost by the bullpen 10 times a season. And, and I think Braves fans would tell you, yeah, that sounds about right. Not where you want to be. And they just, they just actually called up 20-year-old prospect A.J. smith Shaver to help bolster that bullpen and sort of plug one of the holes. So he has barely pitched in the minors, 110 innings, but uh, he's in the majors. Welcome, kid. So that's sort of where the Braves are at. My second series, uh, I hate to be a front runner here. I, you know, get me my gold chain and my Lakers jersey, but I'm going with the Yankees and Dodgers. It's interesting, right? The Yankees are currently uh, 34 and 23. The Dodgers, 34 and 22. So, you know, the Dodgers sitting atop the... NL West, I think it is sometimes easy for those teams in the AL East to get a little buried and go, oh, they're in third place, fourth place. Well, the Yankees basically have the same record as the Dodgers right now, and that was not quite as surprising to me as Braves Diamondbacks, but it's still a little surprising. The Yankees have Josh Donaldson coming back. Tommy Canley should be back for this series. Giancarlo Stanton is close. Jose Trevino is back. So this, you know, slew of injuries that they've had to deal with, and this is nowhere near, you know, them getting quite back to full strength. Uh, you know, Rizzo's still not in action uh, as, as of time of recording, but it is at least a step in the right direction. And, you know, one of the things that I, that I think is interesting about the Yankees is that their bullpen, I mean, so many teams, so many good teams, The you just mentioned the Braves, the Rays are in the same boat, the Rangers are in the same boat, there are others who their bullpen is a problem. And I think the trade deadline is going to be really interesting to see who's going to be 
you know, the first team to give up like a mega actual prospect for Joe Kelly, right? Like that's probably going to happen this year. The Yankees not really in that boat. Like Clay Holmes is a guy, his K per nine in May is well over 10. Michael King has a 180 ERA this month with a 10.8 K per nine. And who would have ever thought anything named Hamilton would succeed in New York, but he's got a 15.63 K per nine in just over six innings. You're welcome for that reference. Ian Hamilton. Yeah. yeah, he needs more syllables in his first name. Uh, <laughs> closer Ian Hamilton, maybe at some point we could get there. But their bullpen's been great and keeping them afloat. Uh, meanwhile, the Dodgers, the pitchers, gosh, I, I don't want to go on here, but they have nine pitchers with a five-plus ERA in May. And yeah, yes, one of them is like Alex Vizia. But the others, Kershaw's 555, Syndergaard's 619, Phil Bickford, who gets a lot of uh, innings out of the bullpen, 856. So their pitching is struggling. Uh, Max Muncy is struggling. Uh, it'll still be an interesting series. And of course, it's the Yankees-Dodgers, so we're all going to care regardless. The series I'm going to spotlight this week is Baltimore against San Francisco. More than anything, I just want to talk about the Giants. They're on a roll. They've made us sort of start to take them seriously in a division that we've sort of written off as a Padres uh, Dodgers runaway here, and uh, turns out the Padres aren't exactly in that position. The Giants 11 and four in their last uh, 15 as of time of recording. Mitch Hanniger, Michael Fordo, J.D. Davis all really coming on. Pat Bailey has been great uh, among a group of young players that have brought up and have really clicked immediately. The rotation doesn't strike fear beyond Logan Webb, but it's working out with your Anthony DiScalfani's, your Alex Cobbs, uh, your Alex Wood. Sean is now in the bullpen. I think that largely depends, Stephen, on if, if you're a Giants fan whether it strikes fear. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have interrupted. That was a B-grade joke, and I interrupted for it. Carry on. We're getting a boo Brian's booing Brian, us in the chat. Brian. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know what? Why don't you just take that one from the top? Yeah, I'm going to move on to the, to the Orioles. I'm going to let that one stand. I'm still not sure what, to, what exactly to make of the Orioles. They're doing wonderfully so far this season, but it seems critical for them to still get rotation help. I just don't, you know, especially with, with Grayson Rodriguez getting sent back down and not thriving in the early going. They've held together better than expected with Kyle Gibson, Taylor we- Tyler Wells, Kyle Bradish, Dean Kramer, and their bullpen, like the Yankees, has been one of the very best in baseball. Probably one, two, actually, Yankees and, and Orioles. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see what to make of them. Their team is going to be fascinating to watch at the deadline. Again, lineup has been great, uh, but they do have Cedric Mullins out now with a, a groin strain. <laughs> Levi, you know what time it is. It is game time here on, on deck. A little extra to catch up on here because we were off Monday for Memorial Day. We're going to begin with a homer chase where we each pick a new hitter each week to add to our cumulative homer total for the season. Well, 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 my easy Pete Alonzo pick has paid off. He hit three homers to your Raphael Devers zero, which brings our totals on the season to Steven seven, Levi four after our first month of play. I was doing so well. Had a lead. I blew it. I'm the bullpen problem. Well, good news for you because we're getting to the to the place where you dominate here, which is the arms race competition. We pick one starting pitcher each weekend and pit their stats from start head to head with a little metric we like to call. Game score 2.0. That's actually what it's called. Uh, you can find it on Fangraphs. And last week, you picked Framber Valdez against the A's. I took Shohei Otani against the Marlins because I had a hunch that strikeouts are the key to the heart of game score 2.0. And I got the strikeouts. Otani's line, six innings, six hits, two runs, one earned, three walks, 10 Ks for a game score of 62. I will note that uh, game score 2.0 does not differentiate between earned and unearned runs. So you factor that in. Meanwhile, Framberval does it does what Frambert does against the A's. Uh, came up with a pretty similar line. Six innings, four hits, two fewer. Uh, one run, three walks, five strikeouts. Uh, so half as many strikeouts. Do you have any any hunch here on which way this one tilts? I think you won. If you didn't win, I don't understand game score 2.0 at all. I think I did as well. 
But the truth is you won again. <laughs> Dang it. What? This is like putting two coins into like a magic ball and it just spits one out and it goes, there's a reason for this one. But every time I don't know which one it is. 64 to 62. So it's actually pretty close. The, the, the I gave it a little hint that gives it away. The earned runs count as, earn, sorry, unearned runs count as earned runs, essentially. They count the same. So that's negative three on the total. And then the other one is hits. Um, hits are, are minus two points, whereas strikeouts are plus one. So the difference in three hits to six hits is actually much more substantial or a little more substantial than me getting 10 strikeouts to your five. I'm going to have to keep plugging away at, at cracking this code here. But I looked at the original game score at one point now, and they actually even closer, 62 to 61, Framber still wins. So even in the original equation formula, I lose. So the, the listeners surely have no clue what's going on here. But the good news is I have another chance for this weekend. I feel like a child playing chess, and my style is just so chaotic that you're playing real chess, but my, my moves make no sense. And you're like, how am I supposed to even strategize against? He has no strategy. And it's just, I, I feel like I've confused you uh, with my incompetence. So for this uh, weekend, I'm going to take first pick because I, I need a, a W. Okay. I'm, yeah, I'm done three games to none. I'm depending between two rookies for the Guardians here, and I'm going to go with Tanner Bybee. They face the Twins. I think anyone in that division is a fine start. I'm going to go against the Twins on Thursday. So by the time you hear this, he will be uh, gearing up for that start. So I'm going to go Tanner Bybee. Get, I'll check off the, the Guardians off my list. You and I are sticking to the exact same series. I'm taking Joe Ryan versus the Guardians. That's a great pick. The Guardians are a very uh, easy target right now. All the twin starters are TBA. So there, there is an outside chance that you will win, you know, something to zero. I'm trying to extrapolate and figure out when Joe Ryan is pitching. So I don't know. We may, we may actually be head to head on that. Who knows? That might be my, my, my angle is to try to get you to pick guys who don't end up starting. <laughs> That's my end. He had Tommy John surgery last month. Why did you choose him? Uh, yeah, no, Joe Ryan versus the uh, pitiful Guardians offense. All right, we'll see how it plays out for both of us. Time for us to hit the exits. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to producer Brian for keeping the show on the rails this week. You can find all our work all week long at theathletic.com. You can subscribe for $2 per month for the first year at theathletic.com slash baseball show. Sign up for The Windup, the Athletic's daily baseball newsletter with Levi and Ken Rosenthal for absolutely free. Later in your feed, the 3-0 show DVR is back. Eno and Britt, they'll all be talking about why teams aren't more aggressive at this time of year and which moves they would make if they were calling shots in different front offices. Should be a great show. Give us a follow on Twitter. Levi is at 32EFIS. I'm Stephen J. Nesbitt. We'll be back in your ears on Monday with more of What's on Deck. Horse, 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 horse.